Welcome to the Tub Talk Sports Podcast. I am your host, Donovan Place, and I'm joined here, as always, with my co-hosts, Ben and Colin. Boys, what a weekend. How was your guys' Thanksgiving? Let's start off with that. Let's start off with that. I'll tell you what. I hardly did jack shit over Thanksgiving. <laughs> um, I missed out on the turkey bowl because I was working. Um, you guys can talk about how that went. I was, I oh yeah, completely. But man, I watch a ton of sports Thursday through Sunday. Um, we had a fantastic meal. Had all the family over. We hit the family, friends, and football. So we hit all the big threes, the big Fs. I mean, that was essentially how it was for me too. I was at the Turkey Bowl. Me and Donovan managed to be on opposite teams every single game, which was perfect because we are the perfect two to guard each other because when when someone needs a playoff the other basically knows we didn't really even have to say anything it's exactly. like yeah we're, we're we're not really running this play it's it's we're not in football <laughs> shape so that was fun which, Saturday, which let, yeah let's not lie to ourselves about uh every play on every other playoff it was like you know? if, if you ran for more than five <laughs> seconds on the play before we're taking we're taking a break on the next one let someone else exactly let, let oe wide receiver DJ Stance will get locked up by Ali and just watch. We don't do cardio over here on the Tub Talk Sports Podcast. <laughs> We're not cardio supporters. Not not yet, at least. <laughs> um, but that was good. Um, we could get into other Thanksgiving debates, whether uh, mac and cheese is an accessible uh, side dish for Thanksgiving. Without a doubt. But uh, without a doubt, I agree. Many people how do you, don't. How do you feel about um, – how do you guys feel about green bean casserole? I feel like that's the most uh, mm. controversial. Never had it. I don't really want to. So that's what I, I – I'm not a big green beans guy, but I do like casserole. So I, I know I've tried it. I just – it's been a couple years since I've I'm, had it. I'm the opposite. I usually stick with the turkey, the gravy, stuffing, potatoes. Maybe I'll tell you what, cheese. my favorite is the sweet potatoes and my least favorite mm. turkey. I'm not really, I don't like the turkey. See, I love turkey. Turkey, if I had to power quickly power rank Thanksgiving food, it would go mac and cheese because I'm a firm believer. Uh, mashed potatoes, turkey. Turkey is a close second. I love turkey. We don't ever smoke it at my house, which sucks because smoked turkey is the best turkey. Yeah. But, I mean, I I brought leftovers back. I'm still eating turkey. I would love to try your buffalo chicken dip that you prepared. Oh, made it for the first time. I give that a solid 8.8 out of 10. Um, little warning, though, that shit will clog the hell out of the arteries. Do That's not fine. Do not have that. <laughs> but yeah, we'll we'll definitely have to make it sometime. All right, but let's let's get into the sports. Let's get into the sports. Hot stove, Major League Baseball. Uh, let's give a little bit of context here. On December first, we're recording this on November thirtieth, and I'm I'm over on the East Coast. So in less than ten hours, the uh, the agreement between Major League Baseball and the Players Association. The agreement is going to expire. And today they had a meeting, and it was reported that meeting lasted 30 minutes. Not great. Not I don't know great. if you guys saw my tweet, but 
Um, I saw Nightingale tweet that, and he he gave it a little uh oh, like it only lasted thirty minutes. So I think that might be a good sign for baseball fans. Yes, the Bob Nightingale, uh, the curse. But I think I don't know. It's tough to say. They are really far apart um, from what the reports are. It doesn't sound like it's going to be anytime soon. Um, which I know. Uh, I forget the. Uh, the the Trevor Plouffe John Boy podcast. What's the name of that? I forget it. I know exactly what you're talking about. I don't know the yeah. name of it, um, but I do know. They they, they tweeted about. out, and I completely agree that the strike and the lockout or whatever it's going to be is going to suck. But at least we had the good prize of everyone wanting to sign before the. Uh, the date because usually i mean people are signing contracts up until spring training yeah no this would this is awesome the fact that it happened so early it kind of sucks for me because really the only free agent i care about is nick castellanos and his slim chances returning to cincinnati and unless something changes here very quickly there's been zero rumors about him signing which kind of just sucks because now i have to wait even longer to find out what team he's leaving the reds for so i wanted that's really the only deal i really wanted to get done but um it's been awesome because, like you said, usually it's at least after Christmas when you really start seeing guys sign. You'll have some oh, yeah. here and there, more of like the one- or two-year deals uh, right after the season ends. But really the big seven-, eight-year deals is is closer to January, February once the holidays pass. But this year, completely different. We've already had a ton, and there's there's going to be more throughout the rest of today. So um, we'll get oh, into yeah. more individually. But it's it's been good just as a fan. It just sucks that the reason that it's happening is because there's a work stoppage on the way. Yep. So instead of going kind of deal by deal, I think we can all agree there were only a handful of big spenders, uh, at least uh, a couple days ago. So let's start with the New York Mets. Okay. The Mets have been busy. This is they not a shocker signed. either. Sorry. It is not. And it's they all Stephen they... Matt's fault. Yes. <laughs> um, so the Mets losing a lot of guys in free agency. They lost four. Uh, Noah Syndergaard, they lost Stroman. He's still a free agent. They lost Mats. Uh, they lost Baez. And the, so far, they've replaced them by – and they lost Conforto. Gee whiz, they lost a lot of guys. Um, they signed Mark Canna, big fan of Mark Canna. For- well, Donovan is having his weekly Wi-Fi outage, by the way. He struggles to tell us about the Mets. He's, He's raving us. about Mark Canna. I – I agree. I I'm a I'm a Mark Canna fan. Most people that don't most people that don't like because the Athletics don't get a lot of love. Like he's a really solid baseball player, and especially now you have an outfield that adds him and Marte. Donovan is now back, so I'll let him get back into it. But it was a really under the radar signing. So back to Mark Canna, Donovan. Now that you returned, yeah, I love Mark Canna. He kind of play anywhere, um, the infield, outfield, good hitter. I mean, if he gets the at bats, he's a guy who put up. 25 or 30 home runs. Um, the other guy, big guy they signed, Starling Marte, really had a good year last year. Um, went underrated. He stole like a lot of bases. He was it, he was awesome. And I think the only thing that I don't like about this is that he looked so fantastic in those athletics, like yes. green, the alternate ones. Like I uh I forgot the nickname. I think it was like the Green Lantern or something along the lines. Like that just fit him perfectly. Um, yeah, there's just like some players who look good in a certain uniform and it's just like you don't want to see them play anywhere else. So 
I think starring Marte and Mets blue is just going to look weird, but he'll, he'll have a great season there. He's still a fantastic outfielder. Oh yeah. And then the big one, the big guy, Mad Max Scherzer. And holy shit. Uh, that's a lot of money for a guy who's turning uh, who's 37 now. Um, I don't hate but, it, um, especially you've seen pitchers who have good control be able to pitch a little bit later than than other positions. And he's 37. It's three years, so worse comes to worse. If, if he – I mean, he's, he's going to be great next year, probably after that. If you start to tail off, you get two out of three good years out of him. I think you're more than happy to take that if you're a Mets player. And especially knowing that you already have Jacob DeGrom, who can hopefully stay healthy. If, if you're the New York Mets and you can win that NL East, you have to say, okay, people are going to have to come play us at City Field, and they're going to have to face more often than not the two best pitchers in the National League back-to-back days in a row, and we're going to leave City Field up 2 nothing in the series. So I think that's that's exactly what they wanted to do these last couple of days. Um this contract had nothing to do with the market that Trevor Bauer made last year, despite what Rachel Lubo likes to tell Twitter. That was hilarious. Uh, yeah, that was, I, I don't even really know what to say about that. I'll let that go. <laughs> but uh, it's the Mets went into the offseason knowing they needed to make moves, and they sure did that. And I was just happy that uh, Max Scherzer didn't go to the Cardinals. That's all I really wanted. He, yes, he went to the University of Missouri, so there was always that connection there. And the Cardinals need a pitcher, so – once, once I was hoping maybe American League, but I'll take the Mets as well because um, it is it is kind of fun when they're competitive because you always just hear them being talked about as the Yankees' little brother, which they are. But I mean, it was it's fun when they went on that World Series run a few years ago, and they still have holes on that team. Um, they still have some very clear holes. They there were times last year when they just refused to hit the baseball, but they've they've made upgrades, and hopefully those upgrades can carry them to a playoff spot. I would have preferred Max went somewhere like San Francisco. I thought that would have been cool. I would have loved um, that as well. I think since they lost uh, Big Kevin, I think uh, we'll, yep. I think we'll see the Giants make a splash on a hitter. I really do. Oh, okay. yeah. I hope they can. I I love that rivalry they built with uh, Los Angeles. I hope that continues on to next year. Um, but yeah, I, what is it? Three a three year deal for Scherzer? Yep, three year. 130 yeah that's some, right. something I, I was feeling like it was like 37 a year it's but i did the that, math that's like 43 yeah that wouldn't make it to one so yeah i i don't remember exactly what it was but it's it's a lot of money but like i said even if you get two out of three good years i think you're more than happy to take that yeah, yeah. and you're right he probably is still a top two three pitcher in the nl right now yeah and hasn't shown a single sign of uh regression despite his age i mean he was he didn't pitch a ton in the postseason. He probably had what three appearances, but he still looked very sharp. And I don't know. I I I understand why they're why the Mets would go big in the soft season. Yeah. Um. The next team, I think, it was also in the NL East, the Miami Marlins. Not a lot of big moves, but they did make a couple moves. I know today they signed uh, Jacob Stall or they traded for Jacob Stallings. I think a really underrated catcher for the Pirates. Um, good defender. He hits pretty well. Um, wh- who are the other guys they signed? They really signed Aviso Garcia, uh, four-year yeah. deal. Took him away from the Brewers, uh, which Thank I'm God. very happy to see because he destroyed Reds pitching all year long last year. I like the signing for Miami. He'll probably destroy in that ballpark. If he plays a full season, he could probably hit 30 home runs. I know he was somewhere around oh, that yeah. number last season with Milwaukee. 
And Miami is a team that's not been competitive in what a decade at least. They had a couple years where they were fun with Stan and, and Yelich and those guys, but they're they have been uh, not competitive since. And especially, I thought maybe once they signed Garcia, that that'd be their one big thing, and it kind of be out of. But they're reportedly still in on Castellanos, uh, a guy that grew up in Miami. So adding those two to the outfield, I, I mean, right now, if if you're just looking at it, I think Miami is probably at, at the top of, of the teams for Castellanos at this point. So especially in an NL East where I don't think the Phillies are going to be very good, at least not not right now. The Phillies outfield looks horrible. Uh, and then in the rest of the division as well, the Nationals are going to stink. I mean, it's it's a shot for Miami to compete in that division. And, and they're 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 not they're not making stupid moves or they're making under the radar signings, at least so far. Yep. And then one other thing, uh, the Mets, they also signed Eduardo Escobar. We completely forgot about that. Another player that I'm happy to see leave the Brewers. That's a guy that can play multiple positions. And for a Mets team that um there was not a ton of athleticism last year. I mean, it, right. it certainly adds some. I mean, not not athleticism is not necessarily the right word, but just the ability to kind of move guys around and play multiple positions. You already mentioned Canna can do that. Escobar can play multiple different spots. So stuff like that is more what I'm alluding to. Yep. Yep. I'll start with the Miami after they acquired Stallings. I mean, that makes their other catcher expandable. Um, I forget his name. It's like Alfaro. Alfaro? Yeah, yeah. The guy they acquired yeah. in the room, Muto Dio. And the uh, who I think the Yankees are interested. Interesting. Yep. Yep. It, I, mean, I don't know what the Yankees are going to want to do with Gary because they stopped playing Gary towards the end of the year because he's bad defensively, but it doesn't look like a lot of teams want him. So it's the Yankees are in a tight spot with that. Also, um, real quick with Gary, I know this is not free agency, but the fact that Garrett Cole just refuses to pitch to him. Yeah, and he pitches it out. The curious, it starts with an H. The backup catcher, Cole's yeah. personal catcher. Um, the the fact that he's not the, he's clearly not the Yankees' best offensive catcher. Uh, Sanchez is still a better hitter. The fact that you can't have your best catcher in with your best pitcher, I think, is a major issue. So I think something really has to be done there because, I mean, how many other how many other teams? can you look at that are contenders were their best catcher and pitcher on the field? Like if, you, if you're starting Garrett Cole on the, uh, on a game seven, are you leaving Gary Sanchez on the bench? I know he's not the hitter he used to be, but he's still better than, than right. anyone else that they have on that roster. So. Yeah. I, I mean, that's issue. tough. Yep. Um, one other thing with the Marlins, one last thing. Um, another guy that we haven't heard even much about so far this off season, that I think would be a good fit with the Marlins. Good veteran president, uh, presence. Oh was, yes, the uh, good veteran president. Yes, uh, ha ha ha. Um, uh, grew up in Florida, Anthony Rizzo. I think that's a good fit for Miami. They're a young team. Uh, we all know the leadership he brings. Uh, Florida guy. I think he'd be a good fit for Miami. I don't think he'd cost too much either. No, I've I've always I've been this off season on. I, I would love to see Rizzo go to Boston, especially a Red Sox team that yeah. needs a first baseman. But Miami is, is a clear and obvious fit there as well. Um, it would all just depend on what Miami's budget is looking like because we've they've already spent some money and could spend even more on the outfield. So it all just depends. Yep. Uh, next team, Seattle. Seattle's been linked to a lot of guys, but they're big signing. Cy Young Award winner, Robbie Ray. That's that's gonna be such a fun team. I mean, like the last week of September, they were America's team. Like I 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Almost every baseball fan was rooting for them to grab that last wild card spot, and they fell what a game short in a weekend series where every game was sold out and everyone had their eyes glued to Seattle. I mean, imagine telling a baseball fan who has not seen Seattle in a playoff push in 20 years that that would have happened. I mean, I remember vividly that the Saturday night game, the second to last day, uh, sitting in a hotel room because I was with my parents just, it was like, it was like midnight because the game's on the West coast and I'm sitting here on my phone watching a Seattle Mariners game because mm-hmm. they're, they're in a playoff push in a tight game in the bottom of the ninth. So that was, that was so much fun. And they're only going to continue to get better because they have a loaded farm system of prospects. Who's going to come up. Now you add a, a player in Robbie Ray and they can potentially add even another on offense like Chris Bryant. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so that was the other thing. I'll... Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, that division's really loading up now. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll get to the other teams in that division. Um, but, yeah, like you mentioned, Baez was linked with uh, Seattle for a little while. He obviously signed uh, somewhere. We'll talk about that. Uh, Bryant's been linked there. I, I, I'd be for Bryant going to Seattle. I just, with Bryant's personality, I don't, I don't think Seattle would be a good fit for him. I, I'm interested to see the the market on Bryant is really interesting. I've that is that is going to be one of the most interesting players to watch the rest of this offseason because I just like without knowing anything, I would have been like, oh, San Francisco is the perfect fit. I mean, that's that feels like Chris right. Bryant. It's Gabe Kapler, the analytical, analytical manager, can play him wherever. But reportedly, San Francisco was not impressed and they're not interested in bringing him back. So it it kind of sheds a little bit of light on the situation. It's it's one of those things where you normally see it with MLB off seasons when you wait for the big tier guys, um, uh, like the big headlines of the off season go and sign. So for this off season, it'd be, you know, uh, Simeon Seager, uh, it'd be uh, Correa, Scherzer, Castellanos, uh, stuff like that, Baez. Um, and we've seen a couple of them sign, and yet we still haven't heard anything about Bryant. I saw that the Cubs weren't even interested in Bryant. So it's one of those things where I, I still believe Bryant has value. Sure, he may not get the $200 million he deserved, but I think if you can get him at around a $20, $22 million clip, why not? I think he's worth it. I, th- I think he is as well. I think what's scaring some teams away is that he will – go on stretches that it's just extremely yeah. ice cold, which you'd love to see some more consistency. I mean, when he's hot, he's one of the best players in the league, but when he's cold, you may go a week where he has one extra base hit. So that's, yeah. that's, I think what's scaring a little bit of teams away. You see it some, I remember vividly when Jay Bruce was in his prime with the Reds, he would be the streakiest hitter on the planet. And I think Brian has some of that in him, which is unfortunate because when he's hot, like I said, he's one of the best players in the league. And you saw that for the first half, at least in Chicago that in, in 2021. Yeah. Yep. Um, what else? The Blue Jays, they signed uh, Kevin Glosman. They lost uh, Simeon, which is really tough for them. Um, but they went out and got a guy like Gosman to help the rotation, especially after losing a guy like Robbie Ray as well. But uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little worried for Toronto. Because Toronto, if they don't watch it, they are going to turn into what has been the Cubs of the last couple of years, where they have a lot of guys. They have a lot of young guys that are playing good. Bichette, Teoscar, uh, uh, Vladdy. Um, but none of them are really locked up. It's and, Sorry, I, I'm just 
I am I am more worried about the the Simeon loss for them. Uh, their pitching is going to be fine. They add Gosman even though they lose Ray, and they still have a ton of young pitchers there with Nate Pearson, Alec Manoa. So their pitching yeah. is going to be fine. I'm not worried about that. But I think well, uh, I'm not necessarily looking at the contract thing down the road, but you cannot understate how big Marcus Simeon was to that team last yes. year. I mean, it, it's at second base, not necessarily like always a premier offensive position. A lot of times second base is more valued in terms of their defense. What he brought to the table in terms of the home run ball, kind of some mentorship as well to Bo Bichette, a young shortstop. I don't even know how you can't, that's, that's kind of things that you can't necessarily put in, in the numbers. And that's, I would not be shocked whatsoever to see some offensive regression because they lost, even though he might not have put up the best stats, if you're looking at Bichette or Vladdy or even some of the other guys, it's, it, it cannot be understated how important he was to that team, a team that still didn't even make the playoffs. So how high yeah. should the hopes be for the Blue Jays unless they go out and add one? But I don't really – who's even really left on the second baseman market? Well, that's the thing. They they kind of struggled finding a third baseman. Like, I, 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 I couldn't tell you who the Blue Jays' third baseman was down the stretch last year. I mean, I couldn't either. So, I mean, now they're missing – you obviously have Vlad at first and Bichette at short, and that's yeah. one of the best duos in, in the league. Uh, but – it's it can only do so much when the other half of the infield isn't very good. So yeah. It may be a case where instead of trying to get a second baseman to replace them, they may try and get like a third baseman to replace that spot lineup and just put like a I don't know, do they still have like Joe Panic they can throw out second base? Uh maybe. I don't necessarily know <laughs> if I'd want Joe Panic starting on my team, but it's better than nobody. Exactly. Their uh, third baseman down the stretch was the great Santiago Espial. Oh, yes. Exactly. Perennial. Of course, how could I forget? How could I forget? I don't know. Chris, um, Taylor, Chris Taylor pickup would be real nice for them. Yeah, that's yes. right. I completely forgot about it. this. This class is so loaded. It blows my mind. Especially because Taylor could play second or third. I mean, that's. That's a guy that can play anywhere. That is a true utility player and a good one. Like he's an, an everyday starter, a guy that should be in every day. So I don't necessarily know if they're interested in Taylor, but they should be. I mean, really every team should be that can afford him. Yep. Um, we'll go the White back Sox to... should be. The White Sox need a second baseman. Yeah. And I, I, wonder, I wonder what happened to their second baseman. I'm sure they got someone fantastic. Exactly. Um, yeah. For, <laughs> for 16 million, Craig Kimbrell. Exactly. Exactly. Um, the uh, Angels. Angels. Yes. Angels made a couple of pitching moves. They signed a guy, Noah Syndergaard. Thor. I, th- huh? Thor, Thor. Yes. Well, what what was the? They signed Thor and they signed a uh, Renzen. Mm-hmm. And uh, Noah Syndergaard uh, immediately tweeted out once uh, Lorenzen signed Thor. Lorenzo Tani. Thor, yeah, Lorenzo Tani. Lorenzo Tani is real. I, I enjoyed that tweet. I'm not the biggest Thor fan because I think he says some stupid shit on Twitter and gets himself into some trouble. Um, he did kind of body bag Bauer at one point last year. But yes. um, yeah, I'm not the biggest Thor fan. I don't think he's very good. He's kind of fell off since like 2015. But that was a, yeah. that was a funny tweet. And I wish Michael Lorenzo nothing but the best. Uh, there because I don't actually I mean he wants to play I love the fit for him because he wants to start and he wants to get at bats and Joe Mann has already had a year of doing that with Shohei Otani 
So yeah, why? And someone brought this up too. I mean, when Shohei Otani leaves the game as a starter, what better player to bring in and take his at bats than Michael Lorenzo? Michael Lorenzo, a guy yeah. who has like seven home runs on his career. His OPS is in like the seven hundreds, I believe, which for a pitcher is it's really good. good. Yeah. I mean, center fielder in college, so he can play the field. He played the field with the Reds multiple occasions. Um, just an all-around athlete. So I, I like the fit for him. I, I wish he could be a Red. I understand why they weren't willing to, to show out some money, but it's – um, I, I, I mean – Joe Madden is, is a perfect guy to get him the opportunity he wants. I, I, I don't know if they're going to play each other next year. We don't even know if we're going to have a season. But if we get a Angels at Mets – series somehow somehow that could be the potential greatest pitchers hitting matchup ever you got thor who we know has a couple thor had a two home run game against the dodgers a while back lorenzen can hit otani i mean just won the mvp did jacob the crom i honestly think he could be a 300 hitter if he played every day and you got max scherzer who out of those five might be the worst hitter and that's saying something yeah, I mean that's 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 the things you look for. Those those are the important details of the pitchers, which exactly. may not even happen if the DH gets implemented. <laughs> sadly, so this is true. I don't even I don't even want to think about that. It's too sad. I'm um, I didn't want the DH when we had Lorenzen, but now that Lorenzen's gone, I'm I'm all for the DH. So. I want the universal DH. Colin wants I, universal DH because the White Sox got screwed in National League play multiple times last season. Yes, and that's the reason the White Sox didn't win the World Series, if you ask Colin. Oh, yeah, because they would have got a uh, home field advantage <laughs> against Houston, and then they would have beat Houston, and then – I Didn't it happen yeah. like three or four times in that Brewers series where the, a White Sox pitcher would come up with the bases loaded? That was brutal, yeah. I remember that. It was, it was like a late July series in Milwaukee. Yeah. and there That was, was a- brutal. Hard once, to watch. Once was with Lance Lynn and the other, I think, with, with Cease, maybe. But I just but know there was there. a game. Uh, was it, it might have been against Cincy or I can't remember, but yeah, Dylan the Dylan Cease game. Yeah, that was that was in Cincinnati. Go three for three. You don't get moments like that with Universal DH. So exactly. And said you could get a your mean Mercedes five for five in April. Or you yeah, could get a year mean Mercedes, well. 0 for 5 with five strikeouts and then get to All right, we're getting off topic. We're getting off topic. We haven't even talked about the biggest team, but one more team before we get to the Rangers. Javi Baez has just signed with the Detroit Tigers. And uh, six years, 120, I think it was. Is that, is that right? Six, it's, six, it's, years, six years, something around that. I mean, it was a big deal, yeah. and it came in at like 1 a.m. last night. So I yeah. was still awake, so that was kind of fun. I was not expecting. I was not. I, I, I think was the, not awake. the Tigers kind of figured out that Correa was going to be out of their price range and still needed a shortstop, and they went and got one. And I hope Tucker Barnhart, also new Detroit Tiger, um, just has a conversation and just kind of asks, why do you hate him here, Garrett? <laughs> that's that's the only thing I really care about on this team, but that's a that's a good fit for him. He's he's due for a rebound season. Not that he was terrible last year, but the strikeout numbers were kind of insane. So he's I I completely disagree with you, Ben. I I hate this fit for the Tigers. Me too. Um, look, I I love Javi. Don't get me wrong. I'm a Javi guy through and through. 
The dude's a home run hitter, home run or bust type of guy. Oh, I didn't even think about that. And you decide to play in Comerica. That's that's Comerica is arguably the toughest place to hit a home run. Yep. And I I feel like if you're paying a guy above twenty million dollars and you're expecting to see somewhere between, you know, somewhere between thirty and forty home runs from a shortstop is is asking a lot, but Javi Baez can, has done it, can do it. And if he plays in America, that could go down to about 20 to 25. And with all the strikeouts he gets, he, I think he's going to lose value. I, I don't like the signing. I'm just glad that the Detroit Tigers ended up with him and not Carlos Correa. I'm looking yep. forward to Detroit being the White Sox number one um, competitor for the next couple of years that I mean I, I kind of miss having those Detroit rivalries and I'm I'm glad Javier Baez is the guy that they decided to go big on uh, that's all it means is Dylan Cease's strikeout numbers he's gonna have at least 10 more this year than he did last week fair I mean that's uh, he's, he's not on my team so I won't back as much you can you can shit on Javi but Javi I love you thanks for the ring have fun in uh, uh, Detroit, Detroit, eat up on some of that M&M's mom spaghetti while you're there. Um, but the stop in the AL Central, Donovan? Huh? Who's who's the best shortstop in the AL Central? Ooh, I mean, with the ballpark now, I may have to give it to Timmy Anderson, but I would still because oh, of the I ballpark. Would still, I would still argue Javi to the day I die. Um, I think you're forgetting twin shortstop Andrelton Simmons. Oh, you're I, right. I think he should be thrown in there. And is like, no, two, he's a free, he's a free agent. Uh, free agent. Regardless, he had like two ten last year and basically uh, swang a, a pool noodle at the plate. For Alex's sake, you're forgetting about Ed Alberto Mondesi. Mm, yes. Didn't Alberto they move? Ma. Did they move Nicky Lopez to shortstop? Didn't he play shortstop? How do you second? I don't know. Anyway, we're getting off topic. We have to talk. We have to talk about the Texas Rangers. Uh, I think this is the first time we've ever talked about the Rangers on this podcast. So shout out them signing Marcus Simeon, an MVP candidate, Corey Seager, multiple time all-star rookie of the year, world series MVP, John Gray pitcher. Um, very solid. It's kind of always been overlooked just because he played in cores really good year last year, always pitched well on the road. And then they get a, uh, a veteran, a solid veteran, and Cole Calhoun. Uh, that's a lot for them to still finish in like fourth place. Yeah. For a team that has very little talent on the roster, it was a very surprising offseason so far because they're still not – I mean, they're going to have a good top of the lineup and maybe a good one and two, but outside of that, the roster still kind of is horrible. I don't I, – I get it. They want to compete, but at the same time, you're still multiple years away from – truly contending in a division that's good um as I'm, I'm looking up their record right now i know it was it was pretty bad but and they, they finished i mean they last. had yeah i mean they, the only upside you have is like jack lighter i, I don't mean, know their he's gonna be a stud pool. but he's still he years is. away and they went 16 yes. 102 last year so not great you don't go 16 102 with multiple stars on your team you do it because you have absolutely no one on your like i i could not they have Adolis Garcia? He's really good, but I yeah. who who else? Isaiah Kiner Falefford. 
He that, is that the name guy. Play like four different fight positions. Defensive yeah, he started. Okay. Yeah, he's played both shortstop and catcher. I don't see that often. But the only thing I have to say about Texas is that I doubt it's a like last minute or like maybe even the last two months you've decided, yeah, we're going to spend half a billion dollars on free agents. If that was the case, I, I, I'd argue that they knew they were going to go out and get some guys for a while now. And if that's the case... Why the hell would you trade a guy like Joey Gallo? I don't get it. You could you could potentially have the lineup of Calhoun, Gallo, Garcia, and then you got one of the best middle infields of all baseball. You can find a good hit, hitting first baseman anywhere. Catcher, a catcher third base obviously would be holes. The pitching would be a bit of a mess. I get it. But I still feel like with that offense – you'd have a chance to compete if you had a guy like Joey Gallo, especially the way he played with Texas before the trade deadline last year. Yeah, he was he was much better with, with the Rangers before he got traded. I don't know who they got for Gallo. I don't know if anyone's gonna make an impact this year. So yeah. It's it's all it's all kind of strange. Um and I mean if you look at it, they're still under as much as they spent, they still their, their 2021 payroll right now is set to be less than it was for like 17, 18, 19. So they know their cable is spending even more. So maybe they go out and try and get a middle of the pack pitcher to fill out that rotation, maybe mm-hmm. one or two. Cause there's plenty of those guys out there. You can go get two, like three or three to four starters who will give you 20 starts or not even more than that and give you a high threes, low fours ERA. And that's, that's all you can ask for. By the way, too, Google is now updated on their standings. Um, it's now says Guardians for the Indians. So a new era has officially arrived because Google Google has, has UK, it doesn't even say Indians anymore for previous years. So I, I saw that. I was looking at the standings and I saw the different logo and I it had me confused for a second. I, I thought my eyes were playing tricks on me. I know. I know going to school in the Cleveland area, uh, people hate the name change, uh, but that's another story. But uh, I'm hopping on the bandwagon. A couple of my buddies around here. Uh, I'm going to call them the Cleveland baseball team. Yeah. Um, you guys I, are feel free to join me on this uh, Cleveland baseball team. Um, I'll tell you yeah. what, real quick with uh, Texas. I didn't know if you were going to move on or not. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I mean, they got this brand new – Globe Life is beautiful. I hope to go there one day. Yes. Um, it's gorgeous new stadium, and they need to sell tickets. So when they're in this great division, winning 60 games a season, uh, you know, they need to sell tickets. They went out and got a couple guys. They dropped about a billion dollars on them. Uh, were they both seven-year deals? I think I know, so. I know Simeon was, so. I think Seager I think, was still. yeah. So you get World Series MVP and you get a guy that just got, what, two top three MVP finishes in the last three years. Something like That's that. pretty damn good. I mean, they're still not – I mean, I'd take three teams in that division over them still right now. Um, and you're right. It really doesn't make sense why they would go trade Gallo and then be the aggressor in the offseason. But, I mean, I kind of get it from an organizational standpoint. Um, you want to be somewhat competitive. You want to give people a reason to come to ball games, but they still have a long way to go. 
so I guess the big thing with the offseason really hasn't been the signings. It's the big teams not going out and making moves. The Dodgers, Giants, some people thought, including myself, some people thought the Cubs would go out and make a splash, not just sign a Jan Gomes. Um, the Yankees have been oddly quiet. And I, I wasn't too concerned about it up until it was brought to my attention, the free agent class for next year. Because holy cow, next year might have the worst free agent class I have ever heard of. So I have a list of players. And uh, these are all free agents that are set to be 30 and under for next year's free agent class. At catcher, your best option is Austin Hedges. Mm. At first base, your best option is Josh Bell. At second base, your best uh, bet is Jose Peraza. Mm. Um, shortstop, different story. Uh, Dansby Swanson and Trey Turner, pretty good. Pretty good, guys. Outfield, your best bets. Andrew Benintendi, Manuel Margot, Joey Gallo, Brandon Nimbo. Your starting pitchers, Zach Eflin, John Gant, Cool. Uh, I'm assuming that's Chad Cool. Um, Joe Musgrove and Joe and Joe Ross. That's the free agent class to look forward to. That is That's ugly. Disgusting. That is very ugly. I mean, so no, knowing that, especially if you're a team that's telling yourself we're a year or two away, knowing that's a free agent class, go out and sign someone before the fucking lockout in nine hours, 15 minutes. And that'll change a little bit because some guys will sign one year deals this year, but yeah. like still, it's not going to change that a ton. So it, I mean, we saw it with, we saw with NFL teams in the draft this year, moving up to get their QB because they knew the QB draft in 2022 would be bad. It's the same thing with MLB here. You got to go get your guy and, and sign it to a long-term deal now because you want to have the opportunity next off season. Uh, agreed. But uh, it's very interesting. Uh, people can still sign during the lockout. I'm pretty sure. Correct me if I'm wrong. But, uh, uh, I, I, I don't know about that, but I also. Uh, it, you, people can sign. I, it's just not very likely. Like okay. they can agree to a deal, but they can't sign, if you know what I mean. Okay. That makes sense. It's like the DeAndre Jordan to the Dallas Mavericks major throwback. It's one of those, yeah, I'll sign. And we'll whole, see what happens. The whole emoji thing. Exactly. Exactly. All right. But that's that's going to wrap up the hot stove baseball. Colin, take us away with college football championship weekend. Boy, oh boy. We had a wild weekend. One of the best college uh, football weeks I've ever seen. Yes. Um, and my God, when you when you include the games that actually happened on the field, and the coaching carousel that's going on right now. This has been probably the wildest week of college football ever. And the ratings come out tonight. They do. Although I don't know how important these rankings are going to be because I think with the games we have, and kind of fair, with the games we have coming this weekend, those should sort everything out. There may be a little confusion if we have some upsets, but we'll get into that. So real quick, I'm just going to, if a couple, if like three, I'm not going to say the three because we'll get to that. But if three certain favorites win their matches this weekend, like I don't even really think it'll be a debate come selection Sunday. 
Yeah. So there's, there's, there's a very, like this, we could have massive chaos if there's a couple of certain things that happen, but also at the same point, if there, there's not an upset and a couple of favorites win their matchups, I, at least in my mind, I think the top four would be very clear. Yeah, agreed. Uh, the 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 only thing I have about this ranking come out a few hours. Um, I'm really interested to see where Notre Dame and Oklahoma State get ranked. I don't. Uh, a a lot of chaos would have to happen for either of those teams to get in. But I'm mm. still interested mm. where they rank up. Well, I Oklahoma think Oklahoma State, State is a pretty easy path. Because if Oklahoma yeah. State wins this Saturday, they're they're pretty much in unless Bama, I, I I don't know unless, I don't unless know you that. think Bama can beat Georgia. That's that's my I think if Georgia and Oklahoma State both win, then I'm I'm putting Oklahoma State in. I would agree. I want to see Oklahoma State in, but it's one of those I know the committees. I can see the crystal ball now. They're going to tell themselves, would we rather have one loss Oklahoma State? won the Big 12, or would we rather have a two-loss Alabama who their one loss was to the number one team in the nation? And I think it's going to depend how Alabama plays. They can keep it within a score or two. I think they'll get in. But uh, if they get blown out of the water, um, which I wouldn't put it past if George is that good, um, I, I think Oklahoma State would end up getting it, but well, it, that's it's a situation where it could, if they were to do that, that would completely just kill all of yeah. their credibility. Yep. Yes. I'm, I'm on this. Like they, uh, their credibility has been killed for me. Yeah. There's, there's a very, I mean, if the committee wants to to have like an easy path to this thing, the best thing for them to happen is from Michigan, Cincinnati, Georgia, and Oklahoma State to all win. Because in my mind, if those four teams win this weekend, I think that's your four, and there's no debate about it. Um, especially with Alabama has had way too many games where a, a much worse team has hung around, and that's caused them to kind of escape. We saw them escape against LSU this weekend against Auburn, which we'll get to. I don't think that helps their chances at all. So I'm if if the the teams I mentioned win, I'm keeping Alabama out regardless of how close they were to lose to Georgia. Well, yeah. So on Saturday we saw Alabama in their uh, annual Iron Bowl game. This year was at Auburn. No Bo Nix for Auburn, so they're without their starting quarterback. And this is a team that's really struggled all year to. I mean, they're especially on defense, too. I mean, they let up 43 to Mississippi State. Um, they've lost to South Carolina the week before. And then they go out and they shut out Bama through three quarters, which no one saw coming. Um, and Alabama just – it looks like this is their worst team in years, yet here they are sitting in a spot where they could potentially still get a one seed. Yeah. If – if um, Auburn running back, I cannot remember his name off the top of my head. I know the Bama player was pulling him out of bounds, but if he just has some awareness there and finds a way to fall down in bounds, they win that football game and hold Alabama to three points. He does I have one of the best names in football, though. That's, that's Tank Bigsby you're yes, talking about. I, I, I should have known Tank the name. Tank Bigsby. Um, the only name my I could think of at that Tank. point was Kool-Aid McKinstry, who is also <laughs> – also came up huge on the two point conversion in overtime. Yes. Is it yeah. is it Smoke Monday also on the on Smoke Auburn? Monday is an Auburn quarterback cornerback. Okay. They also last year had Big Cat Bryant 
uh, defensive end. So the Auburn has had. I should have went to Auburn. Bo Nix is a hell of a hell of a name itself, right there. I think exactly. that's a fantastic quarterback name. It's sad if he was playing in this game. If the defense played like the, the same way, I think Auburn wins this game because there was in the second half with with the backup having zero ability to move. There was there was no chance that they were. Yeah. It was it was either run or first read get open. Yeah, I'll tell you what that Auburn offensive line. Uh, they kind of figured it out in the fourth quarter, but. That Georgia defense is so suffocating, and it's one of the best defenses we've seen in years. I'm really interested to see how they hold up against Georgia on Saturday. Yep. That should be a big story because, I mean, Georgia's offense, they still haven't played like a great team yet this year. They've kind of avoided the other top like three, four teams in the SEC. But, I mean, they've won in such dominant fashion every single week. And I think if their defense – their defense leads to – uh, easy production from their offense. They get good field position. They get turnovers, and it really lets their offense um, pr- produce with uh, barely any stress on them. And they also just are putting great situations. I th- I think you completely hit on that one. I still think Georgia is a fantastic team and should be the easy favorite to win the, the championship this year. But I am very interested for, for that uh, that game on Saturday in Georgia, Bama versus Georgia. If, if there's a team right now who I would give a, a shot, I mean, Bama has a history of beating this football team. So I, I, I would totally would not be surprised to see that. But I've, do they have a line yet on this game? Obviously, Georgia's favored. But is it touchdown? I'd touchdown? assume so. I don't, I don't know what's the line. I think it was six and a half yesterday. Okay, that that doesn't surprise me. I would have guessed anywhere between like six and ten would have been the favorite. Um, but like I said, I'm just saying right now. I think Georgia wins this one. Uh, I think they win it somewhat comfortably as well. And I think Saturday, I don't think there's going to be a ton of chaos this weekend. I know you're an Iowa guy, but I think Michigan pretty. I, if Michigan can run the ball anywhere near like they did last weekend, I think they'll win that one. Oklahoma State will get another top ten win against Baylor if they can win on Saturday, which that's the that's another thing with the Oklahoma State. The fact that they would have two top ten wins in back to back weeks, I can't see how you keep that team out unless they yeah, wins. I completely agree. Fair. Oklahoma State's a I mean, they're they're a very good team. There's no great teams this year other than Georgia, as it appears right now. But I mean, rivalry rivalry weekend, there's always a big brother and a little brother. Um, we saw it start off with an Iowa Nebraska game on Friday where Nebraska's winning, and then Big Brother Iowa comes back and just clobbers them in the second half, wins it on special teams and defense. Um, and then on Saturday, we saw Michigan get out to an early lead against Ohio State. And I know I kept thinking, like, oh, here we go. Ohio State just put together a great drive. They're going to come back and win this game. Yep. But they were not able to stop the run game at all. Um, their defense has been – I mean, this is this is they lost the exact same way they they lost to Oregon. They did not learn from their mistakes in that game, and we not only saw Michigan beat Ohio State for the first time in the Harbaugh era, but we saw Oklahoma lose to Oklahoma State, who we also see them typically beat every single year. Yeah, the Oklahoma State Oklahoma game was fantastic. I mean, after that long run by Caleb Williams on on late in that game, I was really thinking to myself. There's no way Oklahoma State blows it. And it's the same thing you were talking about. Like Oklahoma has been the big brother, Colin. And it's 
it's I mean how many years in a row did Oklahoma win the Big Ten? It was like five or six years in a row. So I mean, major props to Caleb Williams for keeping them in that game when they really did not have a good defensive performance. But I mean, what Big Twelve team ever has one? So um, one team we really have not talked about at all, though, and my team. If I think if they're if they win this Saturday, they're in regardless. As I think Cincinnati, if they finish off their perfect season and get a win against Houston. I, they've they've had some help along the way with some other good teams losing, but I I un, unlike Oklahoma State, I think Cincinnati, regardless of what happens, is in with a win over Houston. Yeah, they they, it, it's got to be at this point. It's got to be. They should be, yeah. Because okay, but what if we're in a situation where, um, let's say Michigan beats Iowa. Hope that doesn't happen. Let's say Emma beats Georgia. So then we have three teams right there who are in. Then you have Cincinnati, let's say they beat Houston, and Oklahoma State beats, um, who is it, uh, Baylor. Then it's like, okay, Oklahoma State just put together another top 10 win. Cincinnati beats a team that, you know, a, a 10, it's 10-11 win Houston team. That's still a quality win, but not to the degree that Baylor is. So then there's a huge discussion there over – Big 12 champ, AAC champ, what do you do? As, as much as I have been hyping up Oklahoma State here, I just – I think you would have to give it to Cincinnati in that scenario. I mean, I mean, even right now, you you have Cincinnati higher, and can you really justify as a committee finally putting Cincinnati in the top four? They left him out all season. They were five, six, right around that area. And then you finally put them in there at three – and then they, they have a couple good wins in a row to finish off a perfect season, and then you take them back out. Can you really justify that? I think they can, oh. mostly just because of how Oklahoma State's finished like their season. Like They lost pretty early on, if I remember correctly. And then they, uh, they just beat Oklahoma. They just sent Lane Kiffin – or uh, yeah, Lincoln Riley, sorry. Uh, they just sent Lincoln Riley over to USC – and uh, I mean, assuming they win over Baylor, I think as I, I'm a Cincinnati guy, trust me, I, I, I'm, I'm rooting for them to win the whole damn thing. But it's tough when they just I think Houston would be the or outside of the Notre Dame game, obviously. Houston's the best team in their conference, and there's at least three other Big 12 teams that are better than Houston that Oklahoma State's beat. That's or, my own thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's – I mean, I just hope and they hope that Georgia beats Bama and that discussion isn't needed. But, yeah, yeah it's, it's not going to be – it's not going to be easy, though, for either of those teams. Houston's a very good team. Uh, and Baylor, I, mean, I think they get their quarterback back this week, and that's yeah. still a 10-win team. Baylor is good. Don't, don't, don't count them out. I think Baylor has a shot. Baylor without a shot could win this game. And then one final thing I want to mention too is I think the only way that there's a path for Notre Dame and all this, Notre Dame team that if they do make it in will not have their coach in, in a postseason game. But I think the only path for Notre Dame is they need a Georgia win and then they also need a loss by either Oklahoma State or Cincinnati. Am I right on that? They would need both. I think you need Because if Georgia – okay, wait. So if Georgia wins, they're in. If Michigan wins, they're in. I think Georgia's in regardless. Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Georgia's in. But let's just say they beat Alabama, so Bama's not in. That gives Notre Dame a chance. 
Yeah, they would need both. Or you know what? Let's say they wouldn't Oklahoma need both because if if Cincinnati lost, they could have an argument. And if Oklahoma, so then State it's the whole Notre Dame Bama debate. But it that'd be a tough one too. Because yeah. I mean Notre Dame isn't they don't get the conference championship boost. And what they are right now is what they will be. So they don't get the extra game the boost. And Bama, can you really penalize them too much for losing to Georgia? So it's that's a really tough debate to have. And especially too, I mean, Notre Dame's loss was at home and both of Bama's would be on the road. I mean, that's yeah. it counts to I mean it it adds a little bit of negative to lose a game at home that you should win. Although Bama or Georgia, I'm sorry, Notre Dame's only loss would be to a team that is in the playoffs. Yeah. So that's again, that's about as good of a loss as you can. It's one of the better losses that you can have. Mm-hmm. It'd be okay. interesting. That so, that'd be a, just something to cause to cause chaos. I mean, it's really the the debate for a four feed would be pretty crazy if one of Cincinnati or Oklahoma State lost. Okay, so final predictions. Who are the four teams? I'll give you my four, and I think this is the order that it'll go in. I think I think the final four. I think it'll be Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State. I think you could kind of argue the order of Cincinnati and Oklahoma State. Um, but especially if if the committee wants – see, I can see the committee, though, wanting to – I can see them wanting to match up Cincinnati and Georgia so that way they could be like, oops, Georgia destroyed Cincinnati. Now we don't have to put a non-Power 5 team again. So that wouldn't right. that wouldn't shock me if they had Cincinnati at four, just so there's potential for that to happen and get. So, but I think those are the four teams. I I think Georgia beats Alabama. I think Michigan unfortunately beats Iowa. Yeah. I I think Iowa has a real. I mean, this is just the homer in me speaking, but I said a lot of teams after huge like program changing wins they usually stall it's you college teams never play like two perfect games in a row michigan just played a perfect game it's going to be tough for them to replicate that two weeks in a row and i mean you see it so many times in college football where a team gets the huge emotional win and then struggles the next week so I i wouldn't i wouldn't pencil or i wouldn't pen them in quite yet no, I'm not. I'm not either. I think that's a completely fair point because it's Michigan is this is uncharted territory for them. This is their first Big Ten championship appearance under the Harbaugh era, and I believe since the Big Ten championship became a thing. So this is completely yeah. uncharted territory. I jokingly said that the Ohio State game was their Super Bowl because they hadn't beat Ohio State in like a decade. Um, but I think that game is going to come down to two things. One, can Iowa stop the run? And they've showed every indication this year that they can stop running teams. I mean, Iowa's defense is really the only reason that they're in this game because it's been fantastic all year. Yeah. That's one thing. Can they stop Haskins and not let them have a four-touchdown performance like um, Ohio State did? And two, can Iowa get anything going from the quarterback position? It's been a struggle point all year long. Um, they put – what is his Petrus? Is that his last name? Yeah, so it was Petrus. Uh, he got a little roughed up. They went to Padilla for a few games. Now they're back to Petrus, it looks yeah, like. That's the other thing for me. Can they get any production out of that position? Because I, as, I'm as i not as much of a follower of them as you are, but just from an outsider's point of view, it seemed like earlier in the season when they were up in the top four, they were winning games in spite of him, not really because of him. Like He wasn't bad, but he wasn't a guy that's going to go win you a game. So yeah, I think that's going to be the second thing. 
they've won 10 games off defense and special teams and the offense, the offense capitalizing is because of good field position that they provide them with. And I, Iowa is a decent running game. Correct me if I'm wrong too. Like it's, it's, not gotten, it's gotten better. Their yeah. offensive line stinks. They have a good running back. Okay. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It'll be a good one. I'm glad I get to go to Indy for that one. But yeah, my four teams, I got Georgia, I got Michigan, I got Cincy, and I think Oklahoma State beats um, – I think they beat Baylor. They played earlier this year. It was in Oklahoma State. Uh, but they turned the ball over three times to Baylor zero, and they still just ran all over and beat them by 10. So I think they're going to win that one. That's one more game too. I mean, if we're going to talk about it for Michigan, you can talk about it for Oklahoma State. That's another. They're not really – this is also uncharted territory. This has been wow. Oklahoma's game, and now Oklahoma State is finally here. Do they have a little bit of regression? We'll see. But I think the matchup is a little bit better for them than, than Michigan is against Iowa. That makes sense. Yeah. Donovan, four, go. I'm going to go. He's going to come up with one. something chaotic because he can never give four straight answers. No. I am going to go Georgia one, Michigan two, Alabama three, Cincinnati four. Here's okay. why. Georgia beats Bama, so Bama keeps it close. Okay. Michigan wins by Iowa. doesn't matter. Already talked about Bama. Uh, Cincinnati wins, obviously. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma State loses. Okay, yeah. They lose. They lose. So then essentially so – They, make it, they yeah. make it easy on the committee. The only reason they put Alabama over – Cincinnati is because a they don't want them playing again right after they just played each other. No, and I think if they play him close, they'll that's an easy way out of the boost. But I think they also want. I think Ben, I agree with your point you made earlier. How they probably want Cincinnati to go up against Georgia and be like, "Well, look, this is why we don't put the non-power fives in." But. I, I think that's how it'll look like. I think I think Cincinnati what is Cincinnati ranked now? Three or four? They were three, I believe. They were or three. Mid, they were no, four. they were four. They were four because Ohio four. State was two. Yeah. So they're either gonna be two or three. I don't know if they're gonna be ahead of Bama or not. But so I, in, I, I think a, I think Bama's gonna stay ahead of them. I think they are. I think I think Michigan Michigan, I think it'll be if I had to guess for tonight, I would go Georgia, Bama, Michigan, Cincy. Oh, yeah, Michigan could jump the two. See, we have no idea how that two, three, four is going to go. So, when you, think, in your eyes, Donovan, that decision, even though you elevated Alabama up, I think since he, we agreed is going to be in. So, if Alabama loses, your decision was coming down to, and because this, this is, is only happening if Oklahoma State loses as well. Your decision is coming down to Bama versus Notre Dame, correct? And you're taking Bama? Yeah, but also I think if Oklahoma well, State it wins, it's 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 one of those things where yeah, but I think it's also one of those things where I think the committee, regardless, is just gonna want to put Alabama in. Yeah, Bama, true. Bama's Bama, Bama's the fucking, uh, the Bama's the Dodgers of college football. You want the Dodgers to get in just because. It's Los Angeles. So you're going to sell money. More people are going to watch because they're going to want to just root against them. I mean, I would rather have Bama in because Notre Dame, whether it's Michigan or Georgia, will lose by 50 points. And Anyone but Bama. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, 
not playing this weekend hurts Notre Dame. Yes. Uh, Notre Dame just lost their coach, by the way. Um, there, just real quick, there was two massive job openings this year, which never happens. We had the USC job and the um, LSU. The LSU okay. job. Yeah, my God. So we have the USC job, we have the LSU job. The USC, obviously, the beginning of the 2000s, it was USC. Pete Carroll, Reggie Bush. I mean, so many great players come out of those teams. And, I mean, there was a lot of controversy, too, but we won't get into any of that. So USC, I mean, they haven't been quite relevant in, like, to the degree that they were in a long time. So this job is open. Clay Helton gets fired. Lincoln Riley out of nowhere um, after their loss, literally the next day, um, announces that he's going to USC. Do you guys think, I mean, all the Oklahoma fans are calling him a traitor, a snake. This is worse than when KD left us. Do you think he is a traitor or a snake? Or do you think this was maybe a smart business decision, decision on his behalf? I don't, I don't have anything against this decision whatsoever. And I think Oklahoma state is kind of got about as far as they can go. They're going to be a team that competes for a big 10 championship or at least until they move to the sec. This is kind of, they're going to be in this game every year and they're probably not going to be a title contender competing against the Bama's and the Georgia's and even Ohio states. So I think he was looking for a new challenge and USC is certainly a challenge. It's a, when USC is good, college football is fun, and I think he wanted to get them back to that place. And especially a guy that's been a known good recruiter, California is one of the best states for high school football players. So I think he recognizes that there is an opportunity there for him to, to kind of completely change how recruiting has been at USC and put them back on the map. So um, I'll give full credit to Colin Coward because he was I was he actually had Lincoln Riley on today, and I was watching that while I oh, really. Yeah, he was in. I didn't know that. That's fascinating. I got to watch that. Yeah, no, that was that was a pretty good interview. And one of the things he brought up is just how like most coaches are always looking for a new challenge. And I think this is oh, yeah. one of them. And it's like Brian Kelly left Notre Dame, Lincoln Riley leaves OU. And I think it's kind of the same thing as they both kind of, I think, hit the they, they hit the ceiling at their respective universities. I don't think Notre Dame was ever going to win a championship. And I mean, OU, I mean, they've gotten the Heisman quarterbacks. They've, I think he's recruited as well as he possibly could out there and they just can't quite get there. The closest they got was when they lost to Georgia in the semifinals. Uh, and then Sony Michelle had that long touchdown. That, yeah. that was probably the best opportunity because they were never beating LSU with Jalen Hurts two years ago. No. But- they had a, they, if, if they get past Georgia, they would have had a realistic shot against Bama with Baker. But, I mean, and they got destroyed, too, by Bama when they had Kyler. So they, they really did. were never that close outside of the one Baker year. And now he has an opportunity to go out west, build his little empire out there, um, try and revive this program that's been dead for a while. But, I mean, you had, despite how, like, average they've been, that's still like it's got to be a top three job in college football just because no, it is he can completely dominate recruiting out there. They'll probably be um, a top three recruiting school every year up there with like Bama and Georgia. Honestly, uh, they should be make the Pac-12 great again. Yeah, it's huge for the Pac-12 and I think it's good for the sport. I mean, it's 
I don't like having, I wouldn't like OU still being the powerhouse that they are still in the SEC. They're still going to be a great program. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Oklahoma is a great program and they're going to find a good coach, but Riley already recruits really well out West and he's getting all those guys to come with him already. It's already a bunch of guys decommitting and are going to, going to go to USC now. So I think it's good for the sport. It's good for the Pac-12 and I think it's good for him. Yeah. Uh, and I, for for me, I'll throw in my two cents is that I, I I understand the move for Lincoln Riley. Obviously, it's USC. I mean, it's been a powerhouse. It, it's had the name of being a powerhouse since I mean, as long as I can remember. And um, but at the same time, it's SEC is hands down the best conference in college football. It's not even close. Yeah, and it's one of those things where. I always saw it as you want to coach in the SEC, dude. If you can coach and succeed in the SEC, you can coach anywhere on the planet, and you've proved yourself. With Oklahoma I and getting that SEC kind of label, I felt like they would have had even better recruits, and I think Lincoln Riley would have had a shot to do good in the SEC with Oklahoma there. Um, the the only thing now is is that that SEC job becomes a lot more – or that Oklahoma job becomes a lot more exciting and a lot more flashy because they're going to be in the SEC in a couple of years. But holy cow, does the SEC committee look stupid for letting Oklahoma and Texas in now? Well, here's the thing. Like, it's – if you if, when you're a coach, it's like – when you're in ranking Lincoln Riley's shoes, it's okay. We go to the SEC. I'm competing with Nick Saban. I'm competing with probably Brian Kelly now in LSU. That should be yeah. They, I mean, I think that's gonna work out. We could talk about that in a sec, but uh, you got Georgia and Kirby Smart, and you just have all these powerhouses. I mean, Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin are doing great. So it's like, and I think this is another reason why they need to change the playoff format. Is when you look at it, you're gonna get one, maybe two max out of that conference making the playoffs. Or you can go out west, you can recruit really well out there, you can easily win. I think he's easily in a few years going to win at least 11 games in the Pac-12. So it's like you have – I think they have a much easier chance, or he does, to make the playoffs there than he would in the SEC. And that's probably what he saw. And he also gets to go live out in Los Angeles now, which yeah. is a huge upgrade from Oklahoma. Lifestyle plays into that as well. So Especially I don't know. With I mean, the I, young family that he has as well. I mean, that's if you're gonna uh, make a change like that. I mean, that's you want to raise your kids in Oklahoma or you want to raise them in LA. Yeah, and I the from the fan Oklahoma fan perspective, the way I see it, you guys, your program kind of betrayed, quote unquote, betrayed the Big Twelve and is leaving the SEC. It's a business decision. Um, and I think on Oklahoma's part, it was the right move, you know, to go to the SEC. Yeah. And I, I, in the same manner, I think it was a business decision by Lincoln Riley, you know, no hard feelings. It, it was the better life choice, coaching choice for him, I think, um, especially with the playoff format. So I don't think you can rip him to pieces for that, for taking that opportunity. I mean, I, I seriously think Oklahoma hit their ceiling with him there. So I, I don't know. They're they're not Alabama. They're not Georgia. Right. I don't know. That's that's the way I see it. And I think the Brian Kelly 
to I, I understand him leaving for the same reasons. I think that's I think that's gonna work out at LSU. I don't know if he's gonna win championship, but that should be fun. I agree. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting. I've been we I mean we've been saying even on the podcast for a while that they need to realign um the uh college football playoffs. I also think they need to do things with conferences. Um, I just feel like a lot like the SEC is too top heavy. And I feel like in the like Big Ten and Big 12, I feel like teams like Ohio State, Wisconsin, Iowa, teams that are always good, but they always seem to get like that those one or two losses. If you add a couple more good teams in those conferences and they win those games, I think it boosts, I mean, their program. I just think. I've heard, I've seen videos, I've read blogs about them removing conferences entirely and just having it like a free for all schedule, whoever the hell you want. I don't hate it, but I would also need to look a lot more into that before I start backing that up. I, I, I think a lot needs to change. I wouldn't be the fan of the free for all. I think there needs to be some structure involved, but I, I at the same point think. That I don't think there needs to be a complete realignment, but with how you mentioned, with how top heavy certain conferences and even certain like divisions inside of those conferences are, I, I think some realignment would, would do more good than harm. Yeah, because there's the SEC at top. I mean, they reel in the most money. The Big Ten is actually not too far behind. They reel in a ton of money with their, their big Fox TV deals and always getting playoff teams in. Uh, and then there's, you're right, there's a big drop off. And that's kind of why we've been seeing like, um, the Big Ten, Pac-12, and ACC just all formed an alliance for like future scheduling. So yeah. I think I think you're going to see a lot more of stuff like that happening. And I don't know. I think the Big Twelve is in good hands. They're getting they're getting Cincinnati. They're getting uh, UCF, who was great a few years ago. They're getting BYU, who's a top twelve team right now. Yeah. Uh, they're getting Houston, who's also playing in their championship game. So I I mean. Yeah, they lose some. They lose their national brand. Texas, I mean, Texas is huge, and Oklahoma has been very successful. But I, as far as competition goes, I think they're getting some good programs too. There, I would agree. Yeah, I agree. All right, all right, and uh, Ben, NFL. All righty. So as we abruptly transition, but um, I so we're gonna do a little bit differently with NFL this week because we're really starting to see the playoff picture kind of take place. I think the more you kind of look at the way that things are lined up right now, the top seven seeds in my eyes, I think you can make an argument. Each conference might be the top seven teams right now in each conference. Um, I think in each conference, there might be one or two teams just outside that you could argue, but it's, it's pretty, I kind of like the way things are shaping out right now in terms of the AFC and NFC. So we'll kind of run down and go over the top teams and, and kind of preview some matchups. So there was a lot of movement in the AFC this week. It was the Titans at number one for probably the last month at least when they went on their gauntlet beating everyone. But injuries have really piled up for, for that team. We've seen how, how much the loss of Derrick Henry has hurt them. So we can kind of talk about the top teams in the AFC right now. Titans fall from one all the way to three after the loss to the Patriots. And then Ravens elevate up to one after that ugly win at home against the Browns so I mean we can kind of get into that first I mean Patriots look like a legitimate threat Titans I don't really know right now and that's that's kind of what I wanted to start with here 
Well, God, the Ravens haven't had a win that wasn't ugly in a long time. Yeah, that's they that's. They do not look like the best team in the AFC, which is crazy that they're eight and three. But it's also a good thing that they find ways to win, even when they're not playing their best. I guess that's one I way agree. to look at it. But man, that division is anyone can still win that division, really. Even oh, Cleveland, yeah. there's, I mean, the AFC, there's still some really good teams on yeah. the outside. And I think the Colts have looked like one of the best teams in football, and they're still, um, they're still half a game out of it. By the way, Colin, yeah. I know we're interrupting you. Chicago White Sox have signed someone to a three-year deal. Don't get too uh, excited, though, because it's just Larry Garcia. You're kidding me. John Heyman just tweeted <laughs> out that the White Sox have signed Larry Garcia to a three-year deal. Oh, my God. I mean, uh, I, I understand it, but that's that's just not exciting. You're your future starting second baseman. I really hope that's not the plan right now. Um, but, yeah, really? I want to – I wanted to throw that out there because Heyman just tweeted. I think the Ravens have got a lot to go their way this year. I mean, they're eight and three, but a couple different things go against them rather than for them. And this could be a team that's six and five right now. And right now would be on the outside. So they've, they've had some really good wins. I mean, they had the dominating win against the Chargers at home. Um, There's, there's been some other ones mixed in there. They, they pretty much suffocated the Browns offense last week, but at the same point in time, the it's the past defense is not very good outside of Marlon Humphrey and the Lamar played as has had some stretches where he's looked amazing, but has also had stretches um, where, where he has not played like leading a team that's a number one seed. So whether Baltimore ends up finishing the season at number one, I don't necessarily know. They have, they have a couple of big games or at least another big game with Cleveland coming up soon. Another one with Cincinnati as well. So I, I think that'll determine a lot, but Right now, I think the ASC, just at this point in time, I'm looking at either the Patriots or I think the Chiefs could be in the middle of, of a run that propels them into the playoffs as well. Those are the two teams that I would be really fearful of right now. I know, I Don, and I still think your Bills have a chance. Just because Yeah, Bills of, too. I mean, this conference is so deep, but there's not as many like top-heavy great teams as there is in the other conference. The Patriots – I, the Patriots definitely look like the best. What they're doing is incredible right now. Yes. Um, they started off, was it one and three? And they've went on a tear. They certainly look like the best team. They just beat, uh, they dismantled Tennessee. I mean, they it was, they kept it close for a while, but they really pulled away in the fourth quarter. They killed the Browns a couple of weeks ago, and they've only let up, what is it now, 26 points in their last four games combined. That's that defense is house. I know those haven't been like offensive powerhouses they've played, but that, that defense is, and you think about the fact that that's after trading away one of the best corners in the league in Gilmore. And that's kind of just a testament to them. Yeah. And we, and we said Mac Jones landed in the perfect spot for him. uh, And he's, he's playing great right now. He's very efficient. Um, I mean, when you look at his numbers, since probably like the first, if you take out the first three weeks of the season, his numbers are great compared to the other top quarterbacks. Um, yeah, they, they need a healthy Damian Harris, and they don't even have like a real wide receiver one. They have a bunch of different like Kendrick, but it works. It works. Yeah. Well, it does oh, work. Yeah. It does work. This is Born, this is, Aguilar Myers. You, I mean, this is an eight and four team that could even be ten and two if Nick Folk makes a field goal against Tampa. And, and they, uh, Damian Harris. There he goes again. Week one. Yeah. Damn it. Damian Harris fumble. 
I mean, there's no, and and the Dallas overtime game. So they've had three. Like I believe in that overtime game that was only sent to overtime because they let like a, a big conversion by Dallas game tying field goal. So I mean, really, the out of their loss is the only one. I mean, they got absolutely cooked by the Saints at home, where Mac looked like a rookie QB. But outside of that, they've this is a team that has every bit of the look of a title contending team. Yeah, shout out to Bill Belichick and that that entire coaching staff is doing a terrific job. This is one of Belichick's. If they can keep this going and get a one or two seed in the playoffs, um, I mean, this just solidifies his – I mean, this just adds to it, the GOAT combo that we yeah. have all the time. Uh, but Tennessee's Sorry. schedule – I was going to say Tennessee's schedule too is really easy the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. They I mean, play. they're they're gonna lock up that division. It's just where their seat is. Yeah, they could they could still get a top two seed without Derrick Henry, and then have him come. Is he scheduled to come back at all in the regular season? I don't know. I doubt it. Um, but it's been a couple of weeks since they've given an update. One one more team I want to talk about too before we head over to the NFC is I think the Bengals still have a very legitimate shot of winning the AFC North. I mean, they put oh, they too. put a I lot of too. people on notice Sunday. And if you look at the Bengals' schedule, they already played at home last week. And out of their next their next six games, the last six games to rack up this wrap up the season, four out of six are at home. So they're going to have a lot of teams coming to their house. They get the Chargers this weekend, a game that I thought should have been flexed to Sunday Night Football. That would have been a fantastic duel between Burrow and Herbert. But regardless, they have them. Then they play the 49ers at home. Then they go Broncos, Ravens, Chiefs, Browns. So out of their last six, it's no gimmies, not none whatsoever. I mean, they're, the worst team that they play is arguably the Browns or Broncos, and those are both on the road. So it's certainly no gimmies, but the fact that they're going to have a lot of teams coming to their house and they've really they figured out the run game with Joe Mixon, the defense has been at least better over the last couple of games. It's, if, if they can win that game against the Ravens at home on December 26th, there's a legitimate chance that they are hosting a playoff game come January. Yeah, and I'm going to be honest. I was one of the people uh, after they lost to the Jets and then got blown out by Cleveland, I was like, oh, here we go. Like, here's the defense that we thought we were going to see this year Um, because they led up like 70 combined points in those two games. But here they are back now. They dominated Vegas on the road, and uh, they just cooked Pittsburgh. So – you're right. If they can keep this up, they have a serious. I I don't know if they're Super Bowl contenders, mm-hmm. but you're right. They could definitely lock up that. They they could win a playoff game, and I wouldn't be shocked. They would they would especially play, if they're hosting. If if they go and play like a New England, it's a massive coaching mismatch. I'm still not the biggest Zach Taylor fan, and yeah. they would. I I'm pretty confident they would lose that game in Foxborough. But this is without a doubt a team that probably within the next two to three years will be competing. And has their their court they have the they have the, the top three on offense, quarterback, running back, and receiver, even receivers of the future, if you look at Chase and Higgins. If yeah. we say that the top if everyone that's in the top six of the AFC were to make the playoffs, and in that last spot, if you have it between the Chargers, the Raiders, Broncos, Colts, Browns, who do you think gets that last spot? I really, I mean, I need, I need to look at the Colts schedule because they're a team that I think is even better than their record shows. Yeah, I think so yeah. too. You get Houston and Jacksonville, but they get the Patriots at Arizona and then 
a big one against the Raiders. Yeah. Determine that Raiders Colts could decide that because the Raiders are also in it. The Colts still have their bye left, so they only play five. I mean, they should they should beat the Texans and Jaguars pretty handily. They probably have to win two out of three of Patriots, Cardinals, and Raiders, which that's not an easy task whatsoever. Mm-hmm. That's real. Raiders still have a, a Raiders still have a shot for sure, especially if their offense plays like they did in Dallas last week. Chargers. Chargers also don't have any gimmies. Like I said, they're going to Cincinnati this weekend. Um, they still got to play the Chiefs again. I mean, they I, I they said they don't have any gimmies. They have one against the Texans, but it's the I would, Chargers. I would the, give it to the Colts right now. You give what? I would give it to the Colts. Yeah, I mean, the, the Colts have, like, a look of a team that could win a playoff game because they play pretty decent defense. I mean, I think this game was an outlier. They really don't turn the ball over, but this week they did, and that's really the only reason why they lost. They had a muff punt. They had a strip sack. I think Wentz threw one interception. So mm-hmm. they, they're a team that's been pretty well buttoned up, and they just – that's – you can't do that. You can't not be buttoned up against Brady, and it just kind of was unfortunate that it happened for them this week because that was a game that they really could have won at home and kind of put the rest of the AFC on notice. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, uh, my whole AFC thing is this actually is a huge week in me determining who I think is going to make the playoffs. I know we talked a little bit about the Bengals. Um, I think for the, I think it's a lock that the uh, Chiefs, Titans, and I think more than likely Ravens are going to win their divisions. That's how I see it. Um, the winner of the AFC East. I'm, I'm terrified as a Bills fan. I am terrified. Uh, the Patriots are good. They're legit. It's like Brady never even left. They just decided to take a year off, let us have our fun, and then now they're back. Is that game? Um, this- I think it's. I think it's Monday night. Yeah, oh, it's this, it's this next yeah. week and Monday night. So I I forget where it's at. I want to say New England. This okay. This one's in Buffalo, but then this they play Buffalo. New England the day like, after Christmas. Okay. Fucking hell. Um, it, it's gonna depend on this game. I, I it's gotta be. I think the winner of this game is going to be the number one seed in the AFC, and I think the loser will end up being the five seed. I can see it because if Buffalo splits, they still have Atlanta the Jets, the Panthers. And if they split with New England, that's at least four more wins right there. Yeah. So I I do think there's a legit chance to split, but it, it really just depends. Uh, Buffalo, you can kind of see they got together going in the second half against the Saints. Um, but for that wild card, more importantly, the two spots, I think the three best teams – are the Colts, Bengals, and Chargers, as we talked about. If I had to guess right now, I think the Colts are the best out of those teams, and I think the Colts get a spot. So that last spot depends up to the Chargers and Bengals, and boy, wouldn't you guess that they play each other this week too. Oh, really? Um, oh, yeah. That is, okay. Cincinnati. Yeah. 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 So I think the winner of the – Bills Patriots gets the one seed, and I think the winner of the Chargers Bengals game this week ends up getting that seven spot, seven or six, whatever. Yeah. They get a playoff spot. There's some, there's some good, like very important games this week that I'm going to miss because I'll be in Kansas City, like that 
that uh that Chargers Bengals game that you brought up. Yes. Ravens Steelers. I mean, the Steelers get the game at home, and they kind of. I, have... I I cannot trust the Steelers. Me ben either. Roethlisberger played that bad, but they it have was... to win at the stay alive. Pretty they, much, they do. I just I I can't get behind them. I was on them. I was off them. I got back on them, and I'm off them again. So they'll probably win. And also um, Broncos Chiefs. The Broncos, believe it or not, I don't know how, but. The AFC West is so tight that the Broncos could be in first place after next week. It's possible. They're in last right now, but if they beat the Chiefs, they could. Colin, for the love of God, do not turn on me. We are the Broncos haters, and Ben's the Broncos supporters. Stay with me. My take is Do not go to the dark side. Do not go to the dark side. I am a Broncos hater, especially with Drew Locke on the roster, but there's one team I just work. One team as a football player, he's mm, I cannot okay. get behind him. Whatever he and he's sucks. on the roster, so he's kind of like a curse. Um, but the Chiefs, man, if there's one team I dislike more than the Broncos, and it's the Kansas City Chiefs. I just I'm just glad I get to see one of them lose. Yeah, I I will I will be there Must in be person to cheer for the Broncos. It and. That's that's you won't it. be doing the. I probably will just because chop. it's fun. I no, I without a doubt will be doing the chop. I what I really want, I want a good game because I want it to be like just as loud as possible. I thought about wearing my Teddy Vikings jersey, but I've heard the fans there can get pretty ruthless, and especially as a person who owns Mahomes and Tyreek and multiple fantasy teams, I don't want to like be wearing a Teddy jersey and then cheer for like a fifty-yard touchdown. I wore a Baez jersey on the south side of Chicago. No, okay, but you fine. weren't. I you, was fine. No, you weren't cheering for the White Sox. Like, I if I wear a Teddy jersey, I'm gonna be cheering for like both teams. Like, I don't have a, oh, I don't have a dog I in a fight. Okay. So that's that's my thing. Because if I if I'm wearing a Teddy jersey and Mahomes throws a 60 yard bomb to Tyree Kill and I'm going crazy because I just got 15 fantasy points, someone's gonna throw a beer at me because I'm I can't pick a side. In all honesty, I can't see Chiefs fans being that ruthless. Yeah, I. I don't know. I've and never have, in our in our group going. Um, we have multiple Broncos fans, so that's sh- that should be fun. Okay, there's like uh, yes. nine of us going, and like three of them are Broncos fans, so it'll be it'll be a good time. Um, are we ready to go to the NFC? But yes, first let me new tweet from uh, Mark Feinstein, MLB reporter. The Rockies mm. have had discussions with Chris Bryant's camp, and the interest is real. Given the CBA situation, the clock is ticking for a deal. Um, that would get done prior to the expiration of the CBA, but time would be tight to get a physical done. Is he just trying to boost the batting average? What, what's going on? I have, I mean, the Rockies reportedly too are still interested in bringing Trevor Story back. So, I don't like the Trevor Story move because if they sign him, then they don't get a first round pick, which was kind of the reason why they hung on to him over the uh, off season or the end season, the trade deadline, was because they were asking for his value on top of like that first round pick. Mm. So I don't think they're going to sign a guy like Trevor story, but I mean, if you're Chris Bryant, go to Colorado for a year, go win a, go win like a batting title. Sure. Go hit 30 home runs, go play all nine positions for all I care and, and go get pick. a deal next off season when there is no one in the market. I mean, that one, I don't hate it. Would not be well, would Colorado want him for with. Would they ever sign him for one season? I don't think so. 
I don't think they would either because they're a team that know like if they sign into a long-term deal, they're not competing until you're like three. But so, Trevor Bauer created this new system for players. Yeah, that was that was stupid. Whatever, <laughs> Rachel. Um, two more tweets real quick, just because a Twitter the last couple of days has been awesome. Um, yes. multiple sources indicated that Brian Kelly's address to the team on Tuesday morning lasted less than two minutes, and then he turned around and walked out. He did not take questions from the players. <laughs> See, I okay, Jesus. I get why some people are upset because like these coaches come in and they talk to all the families and, you know, they do their big recruiting pitch. And then it's like, if you have fresh, if, if I'm a father and my son's on Notre Dame and he went there, cause you know, coach Kelly, whatever. Congratulations. And he leaves the next year. And then it's like, you know, that was like half the reason he went there. It's then I get the frustration, but yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just glad uh, over here at Iowa, we have um, we've had the same coach for about fifty years. He'll be there till he retires too. So, yeah. Um, oh. And then last thing, I think this is kind of a no brainer. Notre Dame is going to wait on a coach because they want to see if there's any interest from Luke Fickle, which they would be a massive game. loss for Cincinnati. Like that's, I think that might be a big loss. No, they know he's going to leave at some yeah. point. They have to know. But that. as a team that's on the rise and moving to a new conference, like. Man, that would – I think that's a bigger loss than Notre Dame and Oklahoma are experiencing just because – without Luke Fickle, do they ever even get to the big – to be in the Big 12? I mean, I – Yeah, I mean, you could debate it. Because if – I don't know. Like, I think he was a big part of their rise, and they only took four teams from the AAC. So, they took four teams that they knew are going to compete and bring crowds – and I think Fickle was, you know, a big part of that too. But I don't know. They, they go for Fickle. They can go for Matt Campbell. I was from Iowa State. Shit, they could reach out to Urban Meyer. I don't think they should, but they. Could. Yeah, my my Pete Carroll to USC. I can officially put the bed. Yeah, I mean, I I I don't think Pete Carroll's going back to college. I froze. Um, all right. Okay. Well, that's NFC, enough. Yeah, NFC, that's Ben. That's NFC. all for the Twitter update. Okay, so right now we got Cardinals at number one. They were on bye. I still – you can debate between them and the Packers as the one and two seeds. They're two really good teams, and I think you can make compelling arguments for both of them as being the best team in the league. That's that's probably right now. I mean, if I'm looking at the best team in the league, it's probably one of those two or potentially the Patriots. But the, the Cardinals and Packers are both really good, and the Packers are only going to get better because they're getting Bakhtiari and Jair Alexander back. So – I mean, that's that is humongous. After that, you got Buccaneers, you got Cowboys at four. Let's talk about the Rams because when do we say that Matthew Stafford might be the issue here? Because he's yeah, been he bad has, for about a month. Yeah, he's been bad for about a month. And I mean, I think they're gonna get it together. They've lost their mm-hmm. three games in a row against three playoff teams. They get Jacksonville next week before their big game against at Arizona. Um which I think Arizona will wrap up the division in that game. Uh, it's it's not – oh, it is, it's, it's a Monday night football. That game should be awesome. I think Matthew Stafford is a big part of the issue here. And, I mean, they did lose Robert Woods. They did gain Odell Beckham Jr. Congrats on his touchdown, by the way. Great to see Odell yeah. scoring yeah. touchdowns again. But, my God, that Stafford's being careless with the ball. He's turning it over. 
that's five turnovers now in three games against playoff teams. Um, you can't have that. And there's really no excuse. I mean, he has a lot of great weapons around him. They're able to run the ball. Um, he has the great Andrew, the ageless wonder, Andrew Whitworth, and Sean McVay at his disposal. So Stafford's got to get his shit together. Um, he's got to wake up. This is He's not playing garbage time where he can get away with it on the Lions. He will get criticized um, for his actions, which he hasn't in his career. So, I mean, this is a big stretch coming up for Stafford, or he's going to get ripped to pieces. Yep. I mean, it's – there. this is the, – the thing with the Rams is, let's say they – they're probably not going to win the division unless they get on a roll and they this they would have to beat the Cardinals in Arizona next week. So they're let's say they get the five seed, even though they're only one game up on the 49ers, they could slip, but let's say five seed. They're gonna to have to go on the road to most likely Dallas. And are you taking Dak and the Cowboys in Dallas or are you taking Stafford? I don't necessarily know, but I think that's that's even your first game. That'd be the easiest one. It's a tough path for the Rams. I mean, I've, I think that'd be a close one, but I mean, it's silly. It's not Dak Prescott has more experience in the playoffs than Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford does, doesn't have a playoff win. Um, it is especially, so I, I, I think it's going to be very tough for the Rams. Wasn't, wasn't Dak's only playoff win against Matthew Stafford? No, that was Romo is still there. That one Dak beat Got Russell it. Wilson. Got it. I would oh, say, yeah, because the hurt kicker. Yeah. yeah okay, yes, the Sebastian Janikowski. This Rams team not winning the division alone is a terrible look because of all the talent that they have and all the big contracts they've given out and the, the trades that they made, all the first-round picks they've given up to um, really round out this roster. The fact that they can't even win the division to the Cardinals who are just starting to become good – um, I mean, that's that's bad. And San Francisco is now one game back It and they would have to go on the road to Dallas or Tampa or Green Bay, which they just lost at. So it's not looking good for the Rams. Um, I honestly don't think they would win a road playoff game at any of those three places. So, yes, like I said, Stafford's got to get his shit together. I would give him a shot in, in Dallas, but I don't think they're winning in Green Bay. I mean, Stafford has never really had success in Green Bay, probably not winning in Arizona. And then I guess there's there's probably a scenario in there where they have to travel to Tampa. And they've actually they actually beat Brady earlier this year, but that just feels like such a different Rams team. Can they get back to that place? Yeah, without a doubt. But um, let's move on from the Rams. 49ers are a team that's starting to get right at the at the like the perfect time. It's run and play action. You know they're gonna run the football and they still run it down your throat. So it's, 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 this is 49ers team are finally healthy. Will they stay healthy? I don't know, but 49ers may not win a playoff game, but if it starts today, they're traveling to Tampa and the way to beat the, the way to beat the Buccaneers, you saw that with Washington is to run the ball and keep Brady on the sidelines. Can 49ers do that? Yes. Donovan's boy, Kyle Shanahan putting together. Yeah, I, 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 I told you guys, I mean, I, I think I said it last, I told you guys last week, I had San Francisco in my NFC championship game at the beginning of the year. Uh, granted, I assumed Raheem Moster would be healthy, but granted, it doesn't even matter. They always find really don't next. I don't think Raheem Moster will be starting for the 49ers again, sadly. They've got their guy now. Yeah. I, I mean, I'd agree. 
Um, I think they're always fine guys. Yep. And I've said it, I've said it before and I say it again. I don't, it, it's hard for me to pick an NFL champion or my Super Bowl prediction. I'll say that until it's about the first or second week in December. Cause look, we see it time and time, time and time again. Um, whoever makes it the Super Bowl is usually coming in red hot. And this is usually where you start to see teams kind of take that transition, start to go upward. Right now, San Fran does look like that. So I wouldn't put it against them if they can find a way to win a couple of playoff games. We just talked about the Rams. Would it surprise me if the Rams next three weeks win by like 30 points in each game? Probably not. They're capable of doing it. So it's tough to say. I think I think we talked about it where the kind of top six teams in the NFC right now, I think are gonna make it. It's just that seven seed is gonna be a is gonna be a little a bit of a head scratcher. Well, okay. First, I just want to say you're San Francisco 49ers, you're right about the momentum thing. They're hot. But now without Debo Samuel for potentially two games. Got to go to Seattle, which I know they're struggling right now, but he's still got to go at Seattle, division rival. And you got to go at Cincinnati, who's playing terrific football as well. Without your best playmaker, that's tough, especially for a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo to do that. I think it is, and I think it's – their moment. You're, you're completely right. Um, but they also still have Brandon Ayuk, who in flashes has looked really good. Yeah. Um, you have George Kittle, arguably – uh, a top three tight end or top two. Um, and then I, we haven't seen, I know we saw it a little bit to begin the year, but we haven't seen much of Trey Lance just doing that kind of just maybe three times a game run the ball. Yeah. Um, like I'd be right I'm, package. Yeah. I'd be interested, especially with Debo because Debo has been getting a lot of uh, running plays recently. I wouldn't be surprised if you would see, a guy like Trey Lance come in and start to run those packages again. I wouldn't mind it. And then you're right. The last place in the NFC right now, it's between the, the it's a tie between the, oh, four way tie, actually. There's like, there's like six teams in the race right now. Four of them, yeah. I think. I mean, if you, I, I'll, do you want to break it down? Or you want me to break it down, Colin? Oh, I was going to say, well, the, there's the Vikings who are in it right now who are, don't they still have like, they have like they've led by like seven plus points or seven points in every single yeah. game played this year. Yeah, five and six. They're five That's and six, enough. and I believe they have a positive point differential because they're oh, yeah they're so well, going into the 49ers game it was five losses by a combined eighteen. So now it's six losses by a combined twenty six. So it's six losses by just over four a game on average. Okay, so my my whole my whole thing where I said that Nebraska is like a mix of like the Vikings, Lions, and Falcons. Yeah, you see where I'm kind of coming from. Oh yeah, yes. no, I yeah. see it. As much as I wanted to disagree with it, I see it. <laughs> but yeah, it's them. Washington is on fire actually right now. They've won three in a row. Boy, Taylor Heineke. And I'm nervous because they got to come to Vegas next week, and that's a must-win game for. Vegas. Don't let Taylor get hot. No, and then somehow, some way, the Falcons yeah. are five and six. I. That's not going to last. So here's my thoughts. I'm I'm not wor- the Falcons. There's not a chance that they come in. That this is a this is a five and six team that should be like a two and nine team. This this is not a good football team. 
Um, oh. As good as Patterson is, as, as Kyle Pitts has shown flashes, it's just not a good football team. There are five wins. I couldn't tell you all of them off the top of my head, but I know one is in, was when Miami was struggling. They beat the Jets in London. It's it's just not a good football team. I'm not. They beat Jacksonville this week. I'm not worried about them. They beat the Saints. Yeah. By the way, I think the Saints would have made the playoffs had Jameis not gotten without hurt. a There's... doubt. I still think they have a shot. They're they're I'm five and too. six. They have a big game at home against this this week against Dallas on Thursday night, and potentially with Jason at QB, who I like over Trevor Simeon because he adds a lot of athletic ability, um, kind of the ability to run and get outside the pocket that Simeon does not add. And you throw on potentially Kamara back. At the very least, they're going to have Ingram this week if Kamara's not back yet because um, Ingram has been practicing in full. So it, it, this is a team – right now I'm going to – I have it coming down to – uh, Washington is certainly there. Minnesota, I think Minnesota has a really good shot to grab it because they still play. They play Detroit, they play Chicago twice, and they play Pittsburgh at home. I, they, they are the, I, on, in my eyes, are the better team in all four of those games. Will they win all four? Probably not. But at the very least, I think they have to win three out of four of those. Yeah. Um, Minnesota's got a good shot. Washington is going to play a lot of division games. So, We'll see with that. That'll kind of weed out either Washington or Philly, um, depending on whichever. Because I believe Washington and Philly still play twice. Um, yeah, and my God, let's keep an eye on the Dallas Cowboys because yes. they we've been saying this division's locked up. They can sit Dak Prescott. It doesn't matter what they do. Now, all of a sudden, it's only a two-game lead. Washington's on fire, and they still have to play each other twice. So they yeah. got to stop lollygagging. Because, I mean, if Washington, I really hope they don't. But if they go and they beat Vegas at Vegas this week, I mean, they're There's then 500 right for their two matchups. The Cowboys got to – I mean, I know they're getting their receivers back and whatnot, and maybe the schedule gets a little easier, but they got to get their shit together too. One last thing before we wrap up NFL in this episode, uh, the Carolina Panthers are dead. They're, they, they, it, they beat Arizona, an injured Arizona team. That was cool. Cam Newton was back. It was awesome. They, they're, they're horrible. The offensive line stinks. Uh, Rule has had his moments, but he's also had moments where he still looks like a college coach. Cam Newton had one of the worst passing days I've ever seen last week, and McCaffrey's done for the year. So the Panthers are dead. I want to throw that out. They're five and seven, so they're, they're in it. Their schedule is brutal. Um, I, there's a very realistic chance the Panthers finish like six and 11. Yeah, they're going to win one more game, and then they're going to lose to the Bucks twice. Uh, I don't think they win at New Orleans. They're they're right. They're dead. Philly, though, my they we were saying Philly can make the playoffs now, and then they go and lose to. Of course, they lose to the Giants. I I yeah. this was one I maybe saw because it was in New York, and it's a Giants team that's been playing a little bit better as of late. Um, it was it was the uh, it was the revenge game the end of the year last year remember when philly was oh, at the uh yeah. yeah yeah we didn't talk i completely forgot about it until i watched the game i'm like oh yeah so i, I don't long. put too much stock into it i think I, i'm going to talk about these teams really quick and i'm going to do it in a power rank i'm going to power rank the teams that are in it that can get that seventh spot so out of the teams of washington minnesota atlanta New Orleans and Philly out of those five teams at five. I'm going Atlanta. I, I, yeah, I, I just can't, I don't believe in Atlanta yeah. Four. I'm going Washington. I like Washington. They're hot. I love my boy Taylor. 
But there's a reason why that defense was bad all year. It's because I think I think the defense is a little overrated. I don't love the weapons, and it's mostly because I like the other teams in it. Three, New Orleans. I, I had them make, being a playoff team to begin the year. Um, it hurts that they don't have a quarterback. I, I don't love Taysom. I like him, don't love him. But I still think they'll uh, they'll be competitive until the end. Two, what? what what's oh, that face? Continue. I got, I got, I'm going I'm to break some news, but continue. You're down to Philly and Minnesota. Philly, two, easy schedule. I'm making this go quick now. And then one, uh, Minnesota. I think Minnesota's the best team out of all of them. Break the news. Oh, I like this. So, this I mean, I don't like this, but I think it's a smart move. One, your Chicago Cubs are closing in on a one-year deal with Clint Frazier. Huge ground. Yes. I like yes. that. I like that. Yes. I, I wanted that to happen. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I, oh, I let's go. I be a fan of that. I'm happy for that. Yes. Good. See, I'm all happy. the Cubs are going to the World Series now. I'm back in. I'm back in, baby. He's invested. <laughs> Next. This is a little bigger. Tampa, oh, wait, okay. It's, it hasn't happened yet. Tampa may trade Kiermaier and Joey Wendell. I thought it said they did trade him. But, oh, okay. That, uh, that would not surprise me. That, that's, that's a little, okay. They're, they, they may trade Kiermaier and Wendell to make room for Corey Kluber. Only reason I say it's a little bigger is because they're contenders. They're, yeah, you know, whatever. Would you like Corey Kluber to the Rays? I do. He's going to have a beard, I and do. he's going to pitch to, like, an ERA in the low threes just because that's what Tampa does. But more importantly, he's going to have a beard again. He's going to have a beard again. That's really all that matters to yeah. me. I mean, he I, doesn't He doesn't even have to be good. Um, it, he'll, they'll, they'll just figure it out. That's all I really have to say. Like, he'll be in the back of the rotation, and you won't hear about him, and then we'll look back in September – and he'll have 15 wins because Tampa wins a lot, and his ERA will yeah. be like 3.1. I wanted Kluber on the – I want the Cubs. Uh, I wanted uh, guys that won the Cubs to target in the offseason. One, Castellanos, mostly just because I want Ben to suffer through that. Um, two, I wanted Stroman. I know people give Stroman a lot of shit. I like Stroman. But I think he'd be – I think he fits the uh, – He's a little bit of a diva, but, you know. Yeah, I, I I think he fits the that Cubs kind of personality. Um, three, I wanted. I, it's kind of funny. I wanted Clint Frazier when I saw the Yankees released him. I think on the tweet by passes, you can go look it up. I immediately tweeted like Cubs, please sign him or something like that. Added them. You can look it up. I did it. I promise oh, I you. you. Um, and then I wanted I wanted them to go after Kluber if they couldn't get Stroman. And then uh, there was one other one other person. I'm trying to think. I forgot. I should have wrote this down. But you can wrap up the episode if I can't find it. Wait, I'm... real quick. Where's Conforto going to go? Because he he's got to be one of the last like big guys that are going to get. I think. Contracts. I think out of spite, out of spite, I'm guessing Michael Conforto. I had him to the Reds. I don't like that anymore. I'm going Michael Conforto. Phillies. Phillies need an outfielder badly. I think I did it out of spite. Oh, I had the Cubs and Jorge Soler. They've got a couple outfielders now. I don't think they'll get Soler. Um, 
World Series MVP. Go back where it all started. He's gonna. So he's a. Uh, oh, McCutcheon. That was the old one. I want okay. McCutcheon. That oh, I, would, I would be okay with that. I want him to grow his hair back out and send him back to Pittsburgh. He actually, there was a tweet like five minutes ago with him refuting a, a report that he'd be interested in going to Pittsburgh. There you I go. I can't see. No, he refuted it. Like he's saying, no, oh. I'm not doing that. Oh, God. Okay. I, yeah, I can't. It wouldn't make any sense, but. I mean, like he's a guy late in his career. He doesn't have a ring. And I can't see him wanting to spend his last days there. Oh, God, no. No, he should certainly try and go to a contender. By the yes, way, in our uh, t- uh, TTSP group, the the 19 people that are in it for the weekly pick them, um, huh. I'm one of the few people that has been making picks just because I wanted to see um, – I wanted to see just how well I would do. I went 100% in week 12, so – so congratulations that pulls my record to 88 and 92 on the oh. season. i completely forgot about that well, i, I was... get an i get an email every week showing me our results so then when i get the email i just go and make them for the next week uh, currently right. i'm in first uh tied with finn and hayden is in second may have to get back on that i may be out of someone out of now someone tq craig i don't know who that is i, I would probably um, he's got 102 losses, so he's leading mm. the group in losses. Oh, wow. Uh, Donnie is actually right at 500 at 61 and 61. Ooh. Okay. Um, Alex and Colin both did week one, and that was about it. Colin is at nine and seven. Alex at eight. I did win week one. Alex must have did week one, but then just skipped one of the games because he had one less picked than you did. Interesting. But, I said that has to be the first time I went undefeated in a week because like I went undefeated and I went perfect and I'm still 88, 92. So I was really reeling it in before that struggling. My goodness. Uh, Finally, did you guys see the army Navy uniforms? I did. I have not. May have sent me that tweet. Go look at the Twitter group chat right now. Live reaction. Live reaction. Only it's just kind of contact on uh, content on TTSP. All right. Army. I look Ooh. forward to this every year because I think it's the best. Yeah, those are good. Those are good. Right above, I sent the Navy. I don't know which ones I like better. They're both very sharp. Ooh. Navy's going with the fly. I Navy like the is, blue. They've got almost like Patriots colors. Yeah. Well, saying that the Bills play the Patriots uh, this week, I have to go Army. Um. He's got that cool camo yeah. on the helmet. Those are sweet. Yes. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely going army on that one based on the uh jerseys alone. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. All right. I think that's gonna wrap up this episode of TTSP. Thank you all for listening, and uh we will catch you all in the next one. Peace out. <laughs> Oh, you know, man, you know, man, you know, man.